So, good morning, good morning again. I'm Pastor Dan, for those that don't know me, I think I've met everyone. You know that the title of my sermon this morning is Gratitude. <clears throat> you know that my text is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. You'll find an insert in your bulletin with the title, the text, and the outline for your easy reference. Pray with me as I always do to seek God's approval of these sermon thoughts. So dear Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Rudyard Kipling was a great British poet. His writings have blessed many of us, including a generation gone by. Rudyard Kipling was a very famous writer even before he died, and he made a great deal of money at his trade. By the way, he pronounced his name Rudyard Chipling. The British ignored his ethnicity and gave him an English version, and that's how we know him. A newspaper reporter came up to him once and said, Mr. Kipling, I just read that somebody calculated that the money you make from your writings amount to about $100 a word. Mr. Kipling raised his eyebrows and he said, Really? I certainly wasn't aware of that. The reporter cynically reached into his pocket and pulled out a $100 bill. And he offered it to Kipling and he said, Here's a $100 bill, Mr. Kipling. Now you give me one of your $100 words. Rudyard Kipling looked at the $100 bill for a moment, took it, folded it up, put it in his pocket, and he said, thanks. <laughs> well, the word thanks is certainly a $100 word. In fact, I would say it was more like a million-dollar word. That is one word that is too seldom heard, too rarely spoken, and too often forgotten. If any nation ought to be thankful to God and grateful for his goodness, it ought to be America. If any people in America ought to be thankful to God and grateful for his goodness, it should be Christians. If any group of Christians ought to be thankful to God and grateful for his goodness, it ought to be the Christians in this fellowship. We ought to have an attitude of gratitude. Our text, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, states, <clears throat> In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In this wonderful, profound verse of Scripture, Paul gives us three principles concerning this attitude of gratitude that every child of God ought to have. So first, consider in your outline that gratitude is always to be expressed. We are commanded to give thanks. Now that is excellent advice because a grateful person will be a happier person. A grateful person will be a healthier person. A grateful person will be a holier person. But this is more than just good advice. It is a command. Gratitude is not an option. It is an obligation. You are just as obligated to give God your thanks as you are to give God your tithe. It is a sin to be ungrateful. As a matter of fact, 
There may be no greater sin on the face of the earth than the sin of ingratitude. Shakespeare has described ingratitude as a marble-hearted fiend. That is, he said that an ingrate had the heart of solid marble. Someone else has written these words. The thief may have some streaks of honesty in him. The deadbeat, spots of honor. The liar, hours when he loves the truth. The libertine, occasions when he has impulses to be pure. But there is nothing redemptive in the ingrate. And finally, listen to this blistering indictment of the ungrateful soul. Trust the ungrateful soul with money, and he will steal it. With honor, and he will betray it. With virtue, and he will violate it. With love, and he will transmute it into lust. With your good name, and he will soil it. Ingratitude is the mark of rank worldliness. It is the mark of an unbeliever. It is the character of an infidel to be ungrateful. And Paul, in describing the lost world, said in Romans 121, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. You are never more like a lost man, an unbeliever, than when you are ungrateful. That is why I say, that gratitude is always to be expressed. We are to give thanks. Have you ever thanked that person who led you to Jesus Christ? For some of you, have you ever thanked that Sunday school teacher who so faithfully taught you the Word of God as a child? Have you ever thanked your mother and father for loving you and giving you a good home? Have you ever thanked your wife for being the good mother and homemaker that she is? Have you ever thanked your husband for providing material needs, working hard to provide a home to live in, food to eat, and clothes to wear? Have you ever thanked that wife for working and helping with the finances? You know, it's better to say thank you and not mean it than to mean it and not say it. Gratitude is always to be expressed. Secondly, in your outline, consider that gratitude is always to be expansive. We are told to give thanks in everything. Those two words are the words that make this verse so very difficult. If we were told to thank God in most things, we could live with it. If we were told to thank God in good things, we would find the verse a lot easier to accept and obey. But Paul says we are to thank God in everything. Now, a caution is in order. Nowhere in the Word of God are we commanded to feel grateful. Feelings come and feelings go. Feelings can be affected by the weather, by room temperature, by the function of your liver, by how much rest you got the night before. Thanksgiving has nothing to do with feelings. We are not commanded to feel grateful. It doesn't matter whether things are good or whether things are bad. We are to be grateful. Now, lest you are thinking that that may be easy for Paul to say, let me say to you that it was not easy for Paul to say. Paul had been run out of Thessalonica at the threat of losing his life. 
He had been beaten, whipped, imprisoned, shipwrecked, stoned, and left for dead. Yet he said, in everything, give thanks. In Acts 16, we are told the story of how Paul and Silas were beaten with rods and then whipped and scourged and then thrown into a Philippian prison. But rather than sighing, they began praying and singing. Yes, we are indeed to thank God for everything. I believe this everything would cover at least three things that would come to us in everyday living. First, we ought to be thankful, grateful for the blessings of life. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. You know, according to this verse, if you are a Christian, you have been blessed by God. And if you have been blessed by God, you are rich. I like one definition of a Christian that I read some time ago that said, a Christian is someone that does not have to consult his checking account to see how wealthy he really is. Do you thank God for the blessings of life Just the simple, everyday blessings. For example, food. Do you thank God for your daily bread? Did you know that two-thirds of the world go to bed hungry every night? One-third of the world is underfed, and one-third of the world is starving. In fact, 30 people starve to death every minute. And we complain about dirty dishes. Now, no one likes dirty dishes, least of all this pastor. But I believe we ought to thank God for dirty dishes. Listen to this poem. Thank God for dirty dishes. They have a tale to tell. While others may go hungry, we've eaten very well. With home, health, and happiness, I shouldn't want to fuss. By the stack of evidence, God's been very good to us. Amen. You know, it is an unbelievable thing to me to see people who sit down at, for a meal at a restaurant and they begin eating like pigs and dogs. And that is because they never thank God for their food either. Do you realize your daily bread comes from your Heavenly Father? Do you think about that? Or is it too minor? You should never sit down to a meal without bombing your head, and humbly thanking God for the food he has provided you. And just think of the witness that it provides to the other restaurant patrons. You know, we all ought to have the attitude of of that little girl whose father was a radio announcer. She was invited to her friend's house for dinner, and when she arrived, the mother asked the little girl if she would honor them by saying the blessing. It delighted the little girl. She cleared her throat, looked at her wristwatch, and said, This food, friends, is coming to you through the courtesy of Almighty God. (laughs) Well, she was right. All food that we eat comes through the courtesy of Almighty God. Oh, how grateful we ought to be for the blessings of God, especially the small blessings. I heard it said, Be grateful for Venetian blinds. If it weren't for them, it would be curtains for all of us. 
In fact, I believe that God's greatest blessings are often found in the smallest things. I heard a story of an elderly lady, and it's true, believe it or not. She was giving a testimony. She got up and she said, there's always something to be thankful for. I only have two teeth, but they both meet. Secondly, we ought to be grateful for the burdens of life. We are told, in everything we are to give thanks. Notice, it is in everything, not necessarily for everything. We're not expected to be thankful for trouble, but we are to be thankful in the midst of trouble. Indeed, one of the purposes of the trials and troubles and tribulations that come to us in life is to move us to thanksgiving. 2 Corinthians 4.15 says, For all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Everything that happens to you also happens for you. And that is why you always give thanks in every situation. Regardless of how bad it may seem to you, God wants to use it in your life to move you to thankfulness and also for your good. Now, do you thank him in the bad times as well as the good? Do you thank him in the midst of trouble as well as in the midst of triumph? Listen to this poem. We thank you. We thank him for sun. Do you thank him for rain? We thank him for joy. Do we thank him for pain? We thank him for gains. Do we thank him for losses? We thank him for blessings. Do we thank him for crosses? Third, we ought to be grateful for the benefits of life. Psalm 103, verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Do you ever thank God just for the benefit of being one of his children? Just for the benefit of being one of his creatures? Just for the benefit of living on God's green earth? Aren't you glad that you don't have to pay taxes on sunlight? They did in England in the 1700s. It was called the window tax. I'll explain it after the service to those who want to know. Aren't you grateful that the air we breathe is free? That we don't have to pay an admission to see the sunset or hear a bird sing or to smell a rose? What on earth would we do if God all of a sudden went on strike and wiped out all the benefits? Then we would be like every other planet seemingly in the universe. So get ready for the next poem. How good is it that God above has never gone on strike? Because he's not treated fair and things he didn't like. If only once he'd given up and said, that's it, I'm through, I've had enough of those on earth, so this is what I'll do. I'll give my orders to the sun, turn off the heat supply, and to the moon, give no more light, and run the oceans dry. You know, he would be justified if fairness was the game, for no one has been more abused or met with more disdain. And yet, he carries on supplying you and me with all the favors of his grace and everything for free. Men say they want a better deal, and so on strike they go. But what a deal we've given God to whom all things we owe. 
We don't care whom we hurt to gain the things we like, but what a mess we'd all be in if God should go on strike. So don't forget the benefits of God. You know, we ought to give God thanks in all things. We ought to give God thanks always. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 5.20, Give thanks always for the things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in 1789, George Washington declared that the fourth Thursday of every November was to be Thanksgiving. I say to you, that the word of God declares that every day ought to be a day of thanksgiving in the heart of every Christian. Lastly, in your outline, consider that gratitude is always to be expected. We are to give thanks to God in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I don't care what you're going through right now. I don't care what burdens you may be bearing or what trouble you might be in. If right now there is not a wellspring of thanksgiving boiling up out of your heart, then you are out of the will of God. The only way to please God is to be obedient to his will. Now, why does gratitude please our Lord so much? First, because gratitude is the mark of a growing Christian. You see, gratitude is a real test of character. For example, a baby is ungrateful. You can take a little baby and walk the floor with him for several hours, and then when you put that little baby down, he won't look up at you and say, thank you, much obliged. (laughs) He'll just yell louder. Now, we don't blame him because he's a baby. But then you take a little child. You should know that you have to teach children to be grateful. Gratitude is not something that comes naturally. It is something you have to learn. You have to almost force children at times to say, thank you. But, continue, but to continue to be ungrateful is to continue to be a child. If there's no gratitude in your heart today, you simply show where you are spiritually. You may have the body of a giant and the mind of a Shakespeare, but you have the maturity of a child if you're not grateful. And secondly, gratitude is the mark of a giving Christian. If for no other reason, a Christian ought to give to the work of God, For example, he ought to tithe his income to the Lord just out of gratitude for what God has given him. I believe it is the height of ingratitude to a loving, giving God to refuse to give him at least a tenth of your income back to him. See, everything you have is a gift from God. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. If you are a grateful Christian, you will be a giving Christian. You know, someone has said, Thanksgiving, to be truly thanksgiving is first thanks and then giving. You can give without being thankful, but you cannot be thankful without giving. Now, I'm referring not just to your tithes and offerings, 
but also to your time and your talents given for the work of Christ. When you give of your time, talents, and treasury, you are not only acknowledging that everything you have has been given to you by the, by the Lord, but you are expressing your gratitude to him. I've heard it said, must I keep on giving again and again? Oh no, said the angel, just give until the master stops giving to you. And third, gratitude is the mark of a glowing Christian. Psalm 92, verse 1 states, It is good to give thanks to the Lord. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. An attitude of gratitude will change your life. It will shield you from cynicism. It will keep you from criticism. And it will protect you from pessimism. It will draw you close to God, and it will draw God close to you. And if you are unsaved, the best way to express your gratitude to the God who made you is to be saved. The psalmist said, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits? And then he answers his own question. He goes on, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. If you will give and surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you will be eternally grateful that you did. Amen? (coughs) Service is over, but not your worship. Seek the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit (coughs) 24-7. Worship the true God. A grateful heart shares the source of our gratitude. Spread the gospel. Amen? Amen. God bless you.